at the end of the day, like I think we've tried to create a narrative and I guess create that expectation of the unexpected between the progression every album. That's why we didn't want to do the same album twice is because we don't want people to get too to attached to one particular moment in time for us. At the end of the day, if they are, like that's great. I'm glad they love something that we've done. Sure. Um, but that record doesn't cease to exist as soon as we put out a new one. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at itsalldead.com. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Hope everyone had a uh, wonderful Thanksgiving with family and friends. Um, You're likely listening to this on Monday. I'm recording this on Sunday, November 25th, and excited to share uh, today's show with you. Actually, a week ago today um, is when the interview you'll be hearing uh, on this podcast took place, interviewed Trenton Woodley of Hands Like Houses, a band that um, I've uh, been a huge fan of for a long time. They are on a uh, U.S. tour right now in support of their new album, Anon, which released on October 12th on Hopeless Records. And they made the stop through Indianapolis uh, a week ago, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be invited out to the show to check out their set. And I think this was probably my fourth or fifth time seeing the band, and really every single time. I just love the show that this band puts on, and it's so cool that they, they seem to stop through Indianapolis pretty regularly, which is kind of nice for me and and others in the city because we seem to be a lot of things will come through Louisville or Chicago or St. Louis and skip over Indianapolis. So uh, really cool. Hands like houses to always um, come out. But uh, in attending the show, also had a chance to talk with lead singer Trenton Woodley of Hands Like Houses. And uh, we had a really great conversation, which I'll, I'll share with you here in uh, just a bit. We we talked about a number of different things. Um, of course, talked about the new album that uh, just came out. And it's another progression for the band, another evolution in sound. Um, you can definitely feel, uh, I guess what you would call, I don't know, uh, mainstream or just a, a straightforward hard rock vibe from this new album. They experimented with a, quite a few new sounds and just kind of, I think, took their songwriting in a, in a lot more uh, palatable direction, maybe if that's the right word. But uh, it's definitely got a, a very unique appeal to it. And, you know, I, I was a big fan of their last album, Dissonance. I've really enjoyed all their albums, from Ground Dweller to Unimagine and, and Dissonance. But on Dissonance, you can kind of hear the building blocks of where this band was going to go. So really, you know, what you're hearing in Anon shouldn't be a huge surprise if you follow this band closely. And we talked a little bit about kind of their evolution as songwriters and how it took them in this direction and uh, kind of some of the the doors that um, this new album and uh, their new single Monster have, have opened up for the band is a really good conversation. Also talked a little bit about just how the music scene and the music industry has changed uh, from an artist's perspective, even in the in the short time that Hands Like Houses has been around. And of course, um, you know, a band native to Australia, uh, they have to be um, very specific and particular in kind of their strategy uh, when it comes to touring and promoting their band across different continents and countries. And it's really fascinating to hear a little bit about their thought process and how they approach all of that and uh, just how they continue to push themselves um, forward in staying, I guess, on the on the cusp of uh, the music industry and where their listeners are at and how best to connect that music. Um, it's clearly a band that thinks a lot um, about this stuff and obviously has led to a lot of really great success for them. So um, you'll hear all of that in the conversation. And again, you know, I we tend at It's All Dead to write about and, and talk about the bands that we like. And, and Hands Like Houses is a band 
um, for me that, um, like a lot of people, I first heard Hands Like Houses when the lyric video for Antarctica hit the uh, the the YouTube uh, internet. I don't know why I just called it the YouTube. It hit YouTube back around 2012. And you remember when there used to be like a lyric video for everything? That was like the big thing for a while, especially with Rise Records. It just felt like there were constantly new singles dropping um, and they were all in the form of a lyric video. And I distinctly remember watching the lyric video for Antarctica. Not only how cool the video was put together, but hearing a sound that felt like an encapsulation of so many different things that we'd heard come from the scene. And it was all coming together in this one band and this one sound. There really was a lot going on that album, but it it was just so fascinating to listen to. And that first album, Ground Dweller, I bought it the day it came out. And uh, it was a really important album for me as I transitioned uh, to moving to a new city in Indianapolis and living here and starting to uh, start a life here and meet new people. That that album always kind of feels like the background to a big time in life for me. And I'm still, I, I, there's so many tracks from that album, whether it be Antarctica uh, or Lion Skin, um, Starving in the Belly of a Whale. There's so many great tracks that I can put on at any time and be be taken back and still enjoy to this day. But really, I've been someone who's enjoyed every album this band has put out. Unimagined was a, a huge step forward for the band from Ground Dweller. Really kind of expanded, I think, uh, and helped them flex their muscles a little bit to some of the sound they're able to create. And now with Dissonance and Anon, it just uh, has been a string of really strong releases from a, a band of really talented musicians and, uh, from what I can tell, really cool people. So um, hope you enjoy the conversation with Trenton Woodley of Hands Like Houses. Let's dive in and take a listen. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Really appreciate it. No problem. Good to have you on. Now, I know you just uh, got the new album out, Anon. I'm saying yep. that right, yep. right? Because <laughs> I've been saying it wrong in my head. And yeah, so, um, it's all good. We've had a few people pronounce it different ways, but yeah, it's Anon show for Anonymous. Yeah. So the album's out. Mm-hmm. You're out on tour in support of the tour. How's the tour going so far, and how does it feel to finally have the album out? Yeah, it's great. I mean, the tour's been fantastic so far. Really, really good responses across the board. Um, especially to the new songs which is really encouraging yeah. obviously it's always nervy putting out a new record regardless of any I guess differences in sound or anything like that like it's always yeah. just you know nervous to put out a record um, but yeah it's been so far so good and just having it out in the world is an amazing feeling like obviously it takes a long time to kind of get the album together then all the you know the marketing and the rollout and right. the single schedule and then you know all that sort of stuff so um, kind of went through all the roller coaster of that yeah. now that it's out in the world just let it work it's magic and so far so good so, you know, you're a band that has reach across multiple continents. Yeah. And when it comes to touring for you guys, I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of travel. How do you, I mean, you, and you've had lots of practice of this now. How do you stay smart about your touring schedule? Um, I think we just try and focus it more um, rather than just touring grinding hard out all the time everywhere, yeah. um, which is easy to do. And it's, well, sorry, not easy to do, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely, you know, the easiest option you know, it looks like the easiest way to do it. But for us, I think as we've gotten older and um, I think gotten more of a hang of how we do things, um, I think the priority for us was just making sure that we're focusing our opportunities so that we can really pour the full energy into those rather than kind of being spread out and kind of just feeling like we're doing it as part of a routine. Um, So, yeah, I think that's been the biggest change for us is just, you know, maybe not touring quite as often everywhere, but but just giving ourselves those key opportunities and making the absolute most of them. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, as I mentioned, the album's out. Uh, switched up producers this yeah. time, working with uh, Colin Britton and Eric Ron. Uh, I think you've done the last two with uh, James Paul Wisner. Yeah. Talk a little bit about 
uh, what it was like during the production of this album? Yeah, um, it was certainly a lot more relaxed. I mean, James was still involved, uh, mixed the majority okay. of the record, um, but we had a few different mixes on different tracks. Um, so it was good to have him on because we love what he does as well. Yeah. But um, we were just kind of wanting to change up, I guess, the way that we worked creatively on the engineering side of things. So um, first of all, we, we met with a bunch of producers after Warp Tour last year and um, just to kind of get a vibe for what, you know, different people's energies, different yeah. sort of ideas, what people's perspective was on what we were doing. And um, in that process, we met Colin and Colin just had this energy and enthusiasm that just connected. He, he had this really cool, fresh perspective on what we were doing. It wasn't just like, oh, well, this is what I do. It's just like, well, what I do is kind of pointless if it's not relevant to what you guys are doing. So um, he, yeah, just basically kind of said, look, this is what I'm hearing in you in your music. This is where I'd love to take it. This is some of the, um, I guess, uh, vibes that I want to bring to the record, you know, get raw, like get really raw, get instinctual, um, run things and mix things a lot more analog as opposed to, yeah. you know, everything before was kind of very digitally processed and, um, you know, made for a massive sound. And that's why mm-hmm. we love James is just he does put together this yeah. huge polished clean sound where everything fits and everything has a place um but yeah just uh, i don't know colin just had that excitement for what we were doing and so we actually flew him out to australia in february to just write a couple of songs with us we jammed out a few things and ended up actually tracking some ideas that ended up becoming the final versions of um at least the vocal and some of the guitar tracks on the on the record so um and yeah once we actually got into the studio it was just relaxed it was you know the i guess the buzzword for us was back brain and that you know trusting our back brain trusting our instincts because after three records you know we should have figured out how we write songs more or less so it was about just trusting those instincts and that kind of instinctual product became the foundation for what we built around it and built on top of it so that that just made us a lot more calm a lot more comfortable um and we had a lot more fun which i think comes through in the record it's got a playfulness to it that i don't think we've really explored before and um yeah, we're stoked. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask that because I think I'd seen somewhere you'd mentioned this is the most fun you guys have had making an album. And it sounds like just having the experience of the first three albums going in, kind of knowing who you are at this point, kind of yeah. allowed you to loosen up a little bit. And that just made for a better experience. For sure. And I guess that's where the kind of the, the title of the album kind of started to come into play as well. That sense of just separating from our expectations of ourselves and also the expectations of others to just relax and just write what came out. You know, our, our sound is just is not limited to any particular genre. It's just the collective voice of five of us writing music yeah. together. And I think that that's what creates that common ground. And, I, you know, if people see that recognize that in one of our records they'll recognize it in all of them and i think it makes a a more consistent journey from record to record record without things being so directly comparable Mm -hmm. like oh this was just recycling that album but a little bit better or even a little bit worse you know we want to avoid that comparison direct comparison because i think i think we feel then like we're trying to outdo ourselves when we're still pretty stoked on what we did last time you know yeah (laughs) well that was a great album too and i you know it's interesting hearing you say like well you know we should know how to write songs by now you know four albums in and you know when we compare all of the albums i mean you guys have evolved so much i would imagine is it just that you've gotten better as songwriters and that gives you this comfort to maybe explore things that you haven't before and then it's just easier to to do that to kind of stretch yourselves a little bit i think so i mean you know there's always lessons to be learned and there's always ways to improve on your songwriting but i think the biggest thing for us has been learning to identify what makes a song versus a piece of music um you know our first record was very much a piece of music i think you know the song how we define a song is just you know whether you're playing on an acoustic guitar with just two of us or like a full band full production setup um the song is what speaks and the song mm-hmm. is the the combination of the lyrics the melodies and the chord bass that interact in a certain way and 
it's giving you know giving each of those opportunity to kind of work its own magic um, at a, at like that core level, and then everything else is just enhancing that I guess that picture. And so for us, it, it really is just identifying what makes a good song a good song. So we listen to a bunch of pop, we listen to a bunch of popular music, like you know Post Malone, for example. We referenced a lot of his stuff in just like the way that he drops straight into choruses and builds song structures around like these key melodic parts, and yeah. and you know not even necessarily saying implying directly that that's what makes good music it's just that that's what people are resonating with and like thinking well this is so popular why is this popular and starting to break down those kind of I guess intangible things that are just part of the bigger picture Mm -hmm. and so yeah I think that's the way we've tried to pay attention the way that we've tried to you know draw on influences rather than specifically tonally or even in a sense of melody just in the way that everything fits together and why that resonates with people because if music doesn't resonate with people then what is it it's just sound sure you know yeah so how does this album in your opinion best encapsulate who hands like houses is right now in 2018 um yeah i think it's just like i've said we relax trust our instinct and use that as a foundation for everything and um because we were relaxed because we were comfortable because we were enjoying ourselves i think that that meant that what did come out was I guess the purest version of us at this moment in time and you know when we come along to the next record in you know a year two years time whenever we start writing and recording it all I think it'll be the same sort of case of just like well what are we listening to at the time what have we been touring with what are we surrounded by and how does that impact our individual voices as part of that collective whole and you know we'll hopefully be able to embrace the same sort of relaxed process next time and just see where it goes and you know I think that's just a pure representation of us at this moment um what's great about you guys I mean I, really all four of the albums are kind of great in their own way and it's cool to see that progression you know the challenge I think for any band that wants to stretch itself and continue to evolve continue to push itself artistically is that you're always going to have different parts of fan base that are like attached to certain periods in time of your band like what what is the challenge with that like how do you continue to bring along your fan base with you as you evolve it's definitely a tough one because you know I think there are, you know, there's always going to be people that get attached to a certain sound, like they get attached to the genre that you're playing, not the songs. Yeah. And um, and and you know, quite often they're the loudest voices sure. that complain about it. But at the end of the day, like I think we've tried to create a narrative and I guess create that expectation of the unexpected between the progression of every album. That's why we didn't want to do the same album twice, is because we don't want people to get to, too attached to one particular moment in time for us. At the end of the day, if they are, like, that's great. I'm glad they love something that we've done. Sure. Um, but that record doesn't cease to exist as soon as we put out a new one. You know, yeah. we still play three albums worth of content on this tour. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, the first one we would include if we had time to kind of reinvent some of those songs to make a bit more sense in context because that album just had, the first one had so much going on right. sonically that in a live context it turns to mush very quickly. Mm-hmm. So, um that's probably the main reason we haven't included that but if, you know if we had had time to um you know really reinvent those songs in a live context then i think that we would be playing four albums worth yeah. in a set and um trying to pick favorites and do that sort of thing so i don't know it, it kind of we just feel like we're we're doing what we do we're always going to do what we feel is right um but that doesn't have to be mutually conclusive to caring about what our fans yeah. are doing and what they enjoy um but I think just seeing the songs, even on this tour already, where I think we're only six shows deep, um, it's uh, just seeing the new songs connect with people and the way that people are engaging with it is just as energetic and enthusiasm as 
my grammar out of whack there, but yeah, there's the same kind of energy and enthusiasm that they've embraced previous songs yeah. with, and maybe even more so. Yeah. So it's That's pretty awesome. encouraging, yeah. Cool. Um, you know, you talk about kind of approaching songwriting on this new album in terms of like why, what makes certain songs popular, why do certain songs have a certain reach and certainly with the new album there's a lot of new songs that i've heard popping up in different places do you feel like there's some new kind of possibilities or doors opening for this band of where you could go and and where your music could be heard yeah i mean obviously the wwe um super showdown uh theme song thing was a pretty big deal for us and that opened a lot of doors we um we actually got a follow-up license for the song straight away from fox 8 in australia um, for running a DC Universe ad and it was really cool seeing the song kind of carved yeah. up to fit the visuals it was actually really quite a you know cool moment to just yeah. watch that and think wow this is so cool because it's a rearrangement of our song you know right um, so I mean that in itself has opened up a, a lot of doors you know as a as a record it's a bit more accessible um, we've always tried to write accessible songs whatever style that may be and so seeing seeing the songs kind of resound with I guess people that are not in that you know little bubble that we've existed in for the last few years um you know we're called the warp tour world or whatever you want to call it but like i think there's a certain way that fans engage in that scene in that world Mm -hmm. that we've got i think we've got different people coming out to these shows like different you know we've got parents coming out with their kids who are loving it just as much as their kids are you know um we're getting you know football bros and then dedicated music fans yeah that have you know lived and breathed every band that comes out you know what I mean like it's just such a mix of people and that's been really cool for us um, so yeah I mean I feel like those are the doors that have opened in this context and um, you know hopefully that keeps coming yeah how have you changed your approach as a vocalist as your band has grown and evolved their sound and it's kind of you know had you kind of stretching into new areas as a singer yeah for sure I mean um, in the recording process uh, we were recording some early demos and just felt like the the vocals weren't quite gelling with the music. Like the melody was there and the lyrics were there, but just something about the tone of the way that I sing in a low range. It's, you know, I sing fairly clean in my lows just because that's the way I can sing. Um, and that's what I've been taught to sing. Um, but for example, monster is a great example in the verses. Like it just, it didn't have the grit that the rest of the song had. So I just felt like it was just, vocals over the top of music rather than right. as part of it um so one thing colin suggested was just you know sit on the couch hunch over um i was drinking black coffee and jamison <laughs> alternating between the other between one and the other and um just you know lean forward over the front of the couch with a microphone set up you know a foot off the floor and just singing that digging down digging down digging down in the dirt and like just to get yeah. that like breathlessness mm-hmm. and that real kind of almost like vocal like vocal fry is probably sure, a technique yeah. for a technique name but you know like that Khalid sort of sound where it's just got that yeah. real kind of throatiness and kind of grit to it and that you know we started doing that and pumping it through I think I think it went through four different compressors before okay. it even got to the recording wow. side of the computer um, just each one doing its own little bit of magic in each different part of the sound and um, and just by compressing so many layers together of the the tones and the harmonics it just gave it this character that suddenly fit fit with the music and we actually went back and retracked a whole lot of vocals across the record with that same technique just to kind of make it all gel and feel like it just was that like kind of final connection point so it was tough for me to learn having to unlearn good habits that I built up over you know six six years of singing professionally I suppose and um, yeah beyond that it's just learning how to you know it's obviously a different thing live and figuring out how to play the songs effectively and even just how to sing it differently to keep that sense of longevity and continuity in a set yeah um 
So, you know, it always keeps you on your toes, but if we're not yeah. pushing ourselves, then we just get lazy, and I don't think we're realising the fullness. You, you yeah. know, you don't realise your full your potential until you're stretching those boundaries, right. and that was what it was this time around, just kind of exploring those different styles of my voice if I throw yeah. my lessons out the window for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, you guys obviously came up with Rise Records and mm-hmm. have made the switch over to Hopeless. What has that experience been like so far, and what's, what's your relationship like there? Yeah, I mean, it was a super smooth transition. We already had a lot of friends at Hopeless, um, which is part of the reason we did sign there, because we knew yeah. we had existing relationships to build on and um, I think just some of the operational differences between the two is that Hopeless has uh, quite an expansive team and um, having just different people for different jobs so I know that if I need help with some like you know some social media strategy stuff or some uh, you know content stuff then I you know I know I can go to Aaron uh, if we're talking about like Spotify and radio placements and things like that I can go to yeah. Josh um, if we're talking about music videos we can go to Megan um, if we just want to get a big overall strategy picture we can talk to Tobin the label manager and um, there's a ton of other people there just whatever job that we need to get done there's people there that we can specifically go to rather than kind of our experience before was very much kind of your channel through one person they delegate after the fact okay, but it meant sure. that it was really hard to feel like we had our finger on the pulse of what was actually happening and yeah. that works for a lot of bands for us we're a very hands-on band we'd like to be involved in the decisions that are being made in the strategy and how it's all fitting together yeah. and so yeah we're stoked with um, you know the relationship so far and um looking forward to kind of seeing where it heads beyond, the, beyond yeah. that uh, and to that point, talking about strategy, I mean, even just in your time as a band, you know, and we're talking about four albums over these six years, the music industry continues to change yeah. and shift at a really rapid pace. What's the most critical thing from your perspective uh, in terms of like staying a part of it? There's so many moving pieces and it's not as simple as just putting out an album anymore. And especially for a band like you guys that yeah. travels all over the world, like what's the most critical piece to like stay relevant and stay kind of moving in the right direction? Uh, to be honest, I think there's still a lot for us to learn in that regard. Um, because like I said, the easiest option on paper is just to go out and keep touring and stay in everyone's faces. But um, I don't think that's necessarily the case for bands. I think it's just being smart with the opportunities you have and making sure that you are feeling fulfilled and satisfied in what you're doing and that you're maximizing the opportunities that you have rather than chasing the ones you don't um but you know it's you know it is always shifting there's always new things like even the fact that social media now it's a good way to stay in people's faces but even then people are spending less time on social media now um at least in in terms of engagement a lot of people are passive users now so it's figuring out how to reach them effectively um without again without bombarding them with stuff that will make them switch off or unfollow you so it's about just you know, it, it, you got to stay on your toes. you got to watch out what other bands are doing, what other businesses are doing, keep an eye on market trends, even so much as just keeping an eye on, like, user interfaces on apps and stuff right. like that to just see, well, how are people interacting with their devices? How are people interacting with music? And, you know, just playing the opportunities in front of you, surrounding yourself with a team. I mean, for us, that's been a big thing of just having a team of different specialists. We have, uh, we've just recently taken on a manager specifically for Australia um, okay. just to work the individual kind of relationships and the individual kind of, I guess subtleties and nuances of what make Australia's music scene unique yeah. and distinct because we have these different opportunities through Triple J Radio that don't exist outside of yeah. Australia um, and even just you know just working the different people in the Australian music industry it's a small place so it's, but it's quite a strong community as a result of that so it's just about having those connections into that community getting that advice getting that information and just seeing what's available to you and yeah. you know if, if as soon as you feel like you've got it figured out you're probably a year behind yeah um, and that's so it's always just you know it's always that feeling of flailing a little bit just trying yeah. to figure it out and you know there's still a lot for us to learn especially here in the states because it is such an oversaturated market and right. we're up against bands that are from here and so they can tour here fairly constantly whereas for yeah. us it's a bigger expense and a lot 
um, a lot more work to get over here and get things happening. That right. you know, that's why we have to trust our team and surrounding ourselves with people that we can trust to do their individual roles, and so that we can just check in and know that it's all happening and yeah. you know figure it out as we go. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. Like from different continents, like the strategy is differently in terms of like how you're trying to connect and promote the band. Was I mean, you guys had some pretty quick success here in the states. I mean, even from the first album, I just feel like right when that came out, it was just a thing people were talking about. Is that something you always knew you wanted to do? You wanted to kind of have like a, a big presence here in the states and elsewhere, or what, what were your thoughts back then? I don't know if we really aim for stuff. I mean, obviously, as an Australian band coming to America was like this big kind of prestigious looking thing Um, and for us it kind of almost snowballed so quickly that we didn't really know what was happening it just was happening and um, at at the end of the day we just wanted our music to be heard by people and you know have a chance to kind of build a career out of it and that eventuated here before it did anywhere else like Australia took about three or four years to really catch up and now it's our strongest market in the world Um, you know per show and per capita sort of thing Um, but yeah, I, I think over the, like at, a lot of it was timing. Um, when we started out, obviously the Warp Tour world was such a strong, small community that it, right. in a lot of ways it was like just shooting fish in a barrel. In that you had yeah. such a focused group of people that engaged with music a certain way that all it took was just having the right product at the right time through the right channel. I mean, that's why we signed to Rise is because at that time YouTube was this monster, mm-hmm. just but just finding its feet, and Rise had such a huge following with their YouTube YouTube subscribers so you upload an album there and suddenly you've got people pumping the album through that and then coming out to shows as a result um, whereas I don't like because everyone's figured that out and done that it's so oversaturated now that to rise above that noise it's like it takes another strategy entirely so right. um, I think yeah for us over here it's you know it's just part of our wherever we'll be had you know yeah. um, we're stoked that we still have the opportunity to be here like this tour uh, is been really eye-opening for us just to kind of see who we're engaging with and how obviously the wrestling and the Monday night football placements seeing how that connects here in the Midwest especially um but yeah I don't know we'll, we'll see how it goes um it's we've we, like I said we didn't set out with any specific goals but everything just keeps happening and we have the opportunity to do it so why not you know yeah um so to wrap it up you know four albums in now you guys have traveled all over the world what's been the biggest thing that you've learned or like if you were to like I don't know, have one big takeaway of like, wow, this is what it has meant to be this band for the past six years and do all this stuff. That's a tough one. Um, I think the biggest lesson for us has been to learn to look after ourselves as individuals as much as a group, because if you, if you put the group before the individuals, then I think that the, you know, the group succeeds, but the individuals suffer. And I think that by embracing each of our personal priorities, be it relationships, family, um, you know, touring our career opportunities, the, you know, the things that we want to make happen and the things that we, the way we want to live a life going forward, if we can't, even, even where we live geographically, like, I mean, I live five hours from the rest of the band and Coops lives in Fort Collins in Colorado at the moment. Um, so after two, it's, you know, obviously networking up to make music happen or right. to get things happening takes a bit of extra work. But if we can't embrace this individually as part of this group and make sure that we're all feeling satisfied and, um, you know, creatively fulfilled in the, the career we're pursuing the, the art we're trying to make then there's not much point doing it yeah. and um, yeah I think it'd be I don't think if anyone left I think it'd be too strange to kind of replace anyone as well to then have to relearn that all over again so yeah I think it just has been looking out for ourselves as a group and as individuals as a group of individuals and it's kind of um, by looking after everyone it means that everyone 
can like if we look after ourselves individually then as a group we can like have that outward perspective on like right how do we engage with the world as this collective with you know all of our strengths and weaknesses kind of overlapping so that we can be one cohesive unit yeah you know represent ourselves because i mean musician if a musician isn't representing a piece of themselves then you know are are they creating art or are they just creating a consumable and that's you know i guess where the art and the personality mixes for us so yeah yeah cool well in listening to again listening to the new album again this morning i was like it's amazing to think how far you guys have come because it's so easy i think especially coming in at the time you did and a particular scene or whatever you want to call it to become pigeonholed and become stuck um but to see the way that you guys have kind of uh you know not only stuck together but just kind of like grown and evolved has been really fascinating and cool to watch so thanks for taking time to chat today really appreciate it of course thank you for having me it's been a blast All right, that was Trenton Woodley of Hands Like Houses. A huge thank you to Trenton for taking time um, out of a uh, always busy touring schedule to chat with us. Really enjoyed the conversation. If you haven't checked out the new album, Anon, you can stream it or buy it on Apple Music or any of the places where you buy music these days. Definitely recommend it. Um, If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave us a review. Pull up iTunes on your home computer or your mobile device uh search for it's all dead hit subscribe we are also on spotify now so feel free to check us out there or anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts that is going to do it for today's show thank you so much for joining us i'm kyle hawk and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to the it's all dead podcast if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app then visit us at it's for the latest music news reviews and much more 